everyone, and welcome to the Post-Employment Podcast, a podcast for the working millennial. I have Kaylina here with me, and she has offered to share some of her lovely stories of her working life. And, uh, I mean, kick it, kick it right out. Go for it. Sure. Um, so I'm Kaylina, and I'm 23 years old. Um, so I just barely count as a millennial, but I do. <laughs> um, yeah, and I work in early childhood education. So, um, you know, teaching in general has a lot of shit in it. I could talk forever about teaching in general, but um, yeah, I'm going to just talk about the professional side of it and not the political side of it today. Smart. Yeah. So the first story I have um, happened this week, and it's particularly egregious, I find. Um, so I'm a public school teacher, but I teach an enrichment workshop after school on Thursdays at a private school, and they have a new enrichment director who started last year, and she so far has not been very successful um, in her position, and she's very nice and well-meaning. But just little things just escape her a lot. <laughs> um, so, for example, uh, this summer when we were coordinating that I was going to do this workshop, she told me the class would run from 3.15 to 4.15 on Thursdays. Um, on the first day of class, I bring all my kids down at the end at 4.15, and there's only one parent there. And I was like, where is everybody? And the parent was like, the class doesn't end until 4.30. And just little things like that, just mm -hmm. like basic coordination mm -hmm. or the class that I'm teaching is a musical theater class. So on our last uh, session, which was this past Thursday for the fall, uh, we showed a movie that they made and oh. it was really fun. I asked uh, her to email the teachers in these two grade levels um, that my students are part of and invite them to come to the showing if they wanted to. And she only emailed the teachers from one of the grade levels. <laughs> Just such simple crap that it's like, this is your only job. Yeah. How are you not doing it? And she has an assistant. So like <laughs> someone should have caught that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, the big thing that happened this week is I emailed her on Tuesday and I emailed her the video file that was the movie that my class made. And um, I think that's the only reason she emailed me back was because I reached out to her for this purpose. But um, I asked her, you know, what the dates for the winter uh, session were. And she, well, she said, we couldn't find a space for your workshop on Thursday. So we moved it to Mondays. And that's all she said. Mm. <laughs> and I went to their website and I looked and they're advertising my classes being on Mondays. I'm not available to teach after school on Mondays. Like, that was ridiculous. And um, I emailed her back a very professional email, I thought, being like, I wish you would have checked with me beforehand because I'm not actually available on Mondays. And also, I'm concerned about um, some of my students because I work with early childhood and they only come to school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, some of them. Oh, so Monday, yeah. Hmm. Monday doesn't really work for mm -hmm. them. So I emailed her saying this, and uh, she didn't email me back, 
but I saw her the next day because we were showing the movie and I was there at the school and she came up to me and she's so sweet. Um, and she was like, well, that me sending that email was me checking in with you. <laughs> and I was like, that's not how it was phrased. Really? You said yeah. you had already changed the date and I checked and you were already advertising that the date was changed. And now she's going to change it back to Thursdays, which is great, but... Someone's going to call and be very confused. There's yeah. always one. Yeah. Wow. For sure. So it's just one of those things where I'm like, you are like in your 40s, maybe your 50s. I don't really know. How are you just so bad <laughs> at like basic organizational skills? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. See, I'm used to people they are either super over like organized they just want everything a specific way or you have the people that are just they're not they're nothing they got nothing going on what other stories well I don't know if this is a working millennial problem but I have a story about a family I nannied for in 2015 that was awful <laughs> go for it I'm open to all stories so they um they are this family that my dad knew. My dad's an early childhood teacher as well. And so I got a lot of my babysitting gigs in high school that way. Um, but I also got this particular nannying gig that way. And my dad was kind of hesitant. My dad usually will be like, no, you don't want to work with that family if they're not a good family. But this one, he was just kind of like, um, you should watch out. Mm. And so I was like, okay, Maybe they're not the best family, but they're not the worst family. And it's just mm -hmm. a summer nannying job. How bad can it be? <laughs> and I went and I interviewed with them. And I'm very upfront about my style. You know, I'm an outdoor educator. And um, I believe that kids should climb on rocks and climb up trees and roll down hills and do outdoor stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very clear about that. And at the interview, the parents were like, yes, we are totally on the same page. That's what we want. It's awesome. <laughs> Continue to me working with them in the summer. And every single day, something got banned. Like I took them to oh, the park no. one day and they climbed a tree. And then that night they told their mom about it. And then the next day I come in and she's like, I would really prefer if you didn't climb trees with them. <laughs> And then the next day I took them to the coast and we were climbing on rocks by the ocean. And then the next day I come in and she tells me, I really don't like that you are climbing on rocks with them. And so on and so forth, <laughs> like literally every single day of the summer. And then in the middle of the summer, she asked me if I was available for more hours on like the very last week of the summer. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I I can be available for those hours. And she said, well, I'm going to ask my parents if they can come. So I'm not sure if I need you. Ugh, I hate I that. Me too. <laughs> I hate that. I've gotten that. And so I, I told her, yeah, I mean, I'll try and stay available. Uh, just let me know soon so that I can plan for it. Um, and then she didn't let me know. Hmm. And then the Friday before that week, she uh, asked me if I was available and I said no some other people asked me to babysit so I'm babysitting for them and then 
the next day on Saturday, she texted me this really long, aggressive text that was like, <laughs> you said you were going to be available and blah, 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 blah. And I just think it's completely unprofessional of you. And I was like, well, you expressed to me that you didn't even know if you would need me to work and I'm not going to stay available if I, if I don't know that I'm going to make money. Mm-hmm. Like, I work on a first come first serve basis. Other people asked me before you did officially. Mm-hmm. So, and then that, and then that was the last week I worked with her and um, I see her sometimes still around town and it's <laughs> awkward. <laughs> I had something similar where I worked for this family for two years. The kids are great. It worked out fine, but um, I was going to go for my third year and I was going to try and ask for a raise because by that point, like I was going to start taking care of a third kid, like doing a whole lot more. And I remember uh, they don't need me during the summer break because they, the mom was a teacher, so she was off. So about two weeks before I was going to start up again, she texted me and said, oh, by the way, we don't need you. Like our, you know, our parents are going to help out more. I was like, thanks for letting me know two weeks before great enough time to find a job but I was I'm still a little bitter I actually still have their um car seat that (laughs) like was theirs and then I just never gave it back because like it was assumed I'd be coming back and like they acted like it was something they had planned for like a month already by that point (sighs) good times I have stuff like that too just on my keychain I have like a special keychain devoted to random people's house keys that I still own. (laughs) (laughs) I used to have that too. Yeah. Only one family has ever asked for me to give their key back because everyone's like, oh, you might come and babysit later on. And I never do. And I just have their house key in perpetuity. (laughs) Collection. Um, (laughs) I was going to say something and I totally forgot it because I was really enthralled in your story. Oh, um, I actually had a family similar to that. Um, I only worked for them for two days. It didn't last like past a weekend. Uh, But they were in this like super rich part of New Jersey. And I mean, like I got lost in their house. It was a huge house and they had three kids and it was so stereotypical, like lots of money. Don't really care for the kids was like, they said that they'd be back by like 10. Didn't come back to like two in the morning. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're the son I still every once in a while I actually see the son and I didn't like him because he just randomly put his um pet lizard on me with no warning and then just like leaped onto my back just out of nowhere and um but I saw him once when I worked at the library and it was very awkward I was like I hope you don't remember me yeah she nagged me too she was the same way she was like oh I might need you and I made a dentist appointment And she's like, okay, but I needed you. I'm like, you didn't clarify that you absolutely needed me. You said you might need me. So I'm going to the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if it's that generation or if it's people with money who can afford nannies that's the problem. But I've had so many experiences like that. Yeah, which is actually interesting. This actually segues right into the question that I wanted to ask you because I thought about this um maybe like a week or so ago I was driving home from work and 
how do you feel about older coworkers thinking that millennials don't stay in the job longer because we're just not committed to it? Like it's in their words, it's just a gig, not a career or a job. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I think teaching is very different. Um, young teachers have always tended to bop around. That's not like, I don't know. I feel like that's such an outdated idea too. Like it, it comes from the like business world where fresh out of college, you'd go and you'd get a job at like such and such sales company and you'd mm-hmm. stay there till you retired. It, it was never even true of, of other jobs, even back then, like teaching or, um, I don't know, farming or anything like any other career field. It was not true. It's just such a, like a business world thing. I feel like for me in my personal experience, people recognize that I leave jobs quickly because I'm so dedicated to my work, not because I'm not. (laughs) They're like, you have these big goals and aspirations and we recognize that we're just like a stepping stone on your path, (laughs) Mm. Um, which is really nice. I think. So I haven't really run into that, I guess. Maybe maybe it's because like I'm in technically. Yeah, no, I am in the financial industry now. Like they they work for that insurance company, so that's financing. And that is where like this conversation happened, which for the record, I tried to get a word in, but he completely like no, he just kept talking and ranting. And I was like, "All right, I mean, I'll go over there and have a snack while you have that rant, but <laughs> Like, but I was curious because it made me, I kind of let it go. And then I thought about it more later on and it pissed me off because my, my belief is that like, I, it's not that, how do I want to word this? It's more like we want a job that's committed to us just as much as the companies seem to want us to commit to it. And they're just, a lot of them, especially in like the business and finance world, just aren't committed. They're just hire this person to do this job and abide by this rule. And there's no like work culture at all, which is why you see a lot of, I'm going into social media marketing now because I've been seeing it a lot. um, Even in the insurance industry where all these companies that are, um, are very popular and get most business are the ones that show that company culture. Like they have the Instagram accounts where they show celebrating someone's birthday and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, when you treat people like robots, why do you expect them to stay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have another story. I can't believe I didn't talk about this. (laughs) Okay, so on April 1st of this year, I quit my job, like, hardcore. That was the day we graduated. (laughs) That was the day we graduated. I actually quit before that, but I gave them a week long, Mm. like, a week's notice, technically, so I didn't just straight up quit. (laughs) But the reason I didn't straight up quit and leave is because of my niece. So let's get into the details of this story. Um, I was, for two years, I was the director of youth and family ministries at a Lutheran church. And this is the church that I grew up at um, and that my family had been part of for a long time. And we had actually left the church for a year. I decided to leave and my parents and my older sisters kind of followed me. They stopped going. Um... And there were lots of reasons we left this church or that I left this church. There were just so many uh, contentious things and 
rude things that people had done to our family over the years and just like so many points of pain that it was just not worth it to go there anymore. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't spiritually fulfilling. Um, but then they had this job open up and I was like, okay, I'm going to try it because I will be good at this job. And because maybe if I'm in this leadership position, I can actually influence some of the changes that I think are necessary within this community. That was not fucking true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a bunch of ideas and I kept bringing them up to the church council. So I was doing my job of running like Sunday school and the confirmation classes and I was doing that very well and I was really bolstering those programs. But then the other part of my job was to try and attract more young people and families to the church because as we all know, young people and families, especially millennials, yeah. are flocking away from the church. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had this whole list of things. I had 12 things that I think the church needed to change within the church culture. Um, and some of them were big things, like become a reconciling in Christ church, which means like we are open and accepting and affirming of gay people which most people in our church already were, but there are like these old holdouts who hold all the power in the church, mm -hmm. apparently. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. So that would have been like a big contentious long-term project. And then, but there were other things like start a composting and recycling program. So we're not just creating shit tons of waste. <laughs> and I did all of this research about why millennials were leaving the church. And I had all these statistics and I kept presenting these things to council and being like, look, this is really important. According to um, this survey we did of the church, because we were also looking for a new pastor at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so according to this survey, the number one priority of our congregation is to attract more young people and families. Here's how we do it. And I like kept bringing this every month to the council meetings. And people would like kind of nod their heads or be like, oh, I don't think that's going to work here. And then just the, it would never be talked about again. Mm -hmm. And I was getting really frustrated because I'm a big picture kind of person and just running Sunday school and confirmation was not what I came there to do. Mm -hmm. And I really bolstered those programs and improved them a lot. I think, um, I was getting paid for 20 hours a week and do it running those programs only took me about 10. So I was like, look, you're paying me for another 10 hours. I may as well do all this other work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And eventually I had a meeting with the executive council, like the people who really run the church. And I was like, look, I think you guys are the people I need to be working on this stuff with. The rest of the council is uh, really there just to like coordinate different committees they're not there for like big vision strategy stuff. So let's meet as executive council and me more frequently. And they said, yes. And we scheduled our first meeting and then they kept bumping it. And the meeting turned into a five minute long meeting. I hate that. And then at the end of that meeting, I was like, so let's meet more frequently. And they were like, yes. And then they never contacted me again even though I saw them every Sunday. <laughs> like, <laughs> so eventually, I typed up all 12 of my ideas, except I took three out. So I typed up nine of my ideas, and I printed them out, and I handed them to every council person. And I was like, these are the things we need to do. And literally, no one said 
anything. They just moved on to the next topic. And then they announced that the new call committee, which were the people that were looking and hiring the new pastor, had no one under the age of 45 on it. I had been on the first call committee and they disbanded us because Mm -hmm. we took too long to find a pastor. Even though, shocker, there are no pastors to hire. So it wasn't really (laughs) our fault. Anyways, the new call committee had no young people. And I was like, fuck this. That was like the next thing they said right after my topic of like how to bring more young people to the church. And I just couldn't believe that they didn't think about youth voices Mm -hmm. when our priority is to attract young people. Like, shouldn't we have someone looking for a pastor who, like, is a young person? It's not really that complicated. (laughs) No, it's simple logic. And young person in church terms, by the way, is, like, under 40. It's it's (laughs) not, like, a 20-year-old. It's, like, 30 to 40 years old. So, anyways, I was just really frustrated, and I sent them an email, the executive council, saying how disappointed I was in the new call committee, And that I was also disappointed in how my ideas had been received. And I felt like they were being sexist and ageist to me. I sent this like long email. (laughs) And at the end, I basically gave them an ultimatum. And I, not explicitly, but I said, Mm -hmm. if we can't pick one of these nine ideas to work on together, then I'm going to have to rethink my position at the church. (laughs) And they kept postponing the meeting to discuss this email Mm -hmm. so five weeks later we finally meet and they just yelled at me the whole time like I thought we were meeting to pick one of my ideas Mm -hmm. and they were just like we don't like the tone of your email and Mm -hmm. and they were like I don't understand why you're disappointed in the new call committee and I was like whoa are you kidding me there's no youth representative that no one can represent the youth voice and this 60 something year old woman her eyes got so freaking big and she looked at me and she started yelling that's who started yelling and she was like we're all the youth representative on the call committee we're all trying to find someone that young people will like and I was like yeah but as a not young person you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and then they all just started being like I don't think the way you've handled this situation is good and um and, and then they were like, and none of these ideas even make sense. Like, these will not attract young people to the church. And I was like, look at all the statistics, all mm-hmm. the research that I've done. Like, I, anyways, I, and I ended up crying. This was a two and a half hour long meeting where they just yelled at me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up crying because I'm very passionate about my work. And them just berating me for 90 minutes, I started crying. So then this old man he who is the wife of the woman who started yelling (laughs) or the husband of the woman started yelling he was like look she can't even keep herself composed she's too emotional he said he said she's too emotional and I was like we're at a meeting to discuss how you've been treating me in a sexist manner and oh look you're being sexist (laughs) (laughs) Um, so anyways, I said in that meeting, I said, I'm not going to get what I want here. You guys are not listening to my message. You just want to bitch and moan about how you don't like the way that I handled the situation and ignore the message of the situation. And so I'm giving my notice 
And the only reason I gave my notice is because my niece was in the first communion class that I was teaching. And the fall, a week from that day was when she was going to have her first communion. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to stay here to help my niece get through first communion. And then the rest of you can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, sorry. This, I <laughs> talk about that forever. But the way uh, I was treated was just mm-hmm. so sexist and ageist. Like, as a young woman, it's ridiculous of me to have thoughts or ideas or to stand up for my thoughts or ideas. Mm-hmm. And I do have to say, one of the people in that meeting, the council president at the time, he afterwards reached out to me and asked to get coffee. And I got coffee with him and he apologized for how things were handled. And mm-hmm. That was nice, but yeah. everyone else can go fuck themselves. <laughs> uh, but that's a common, like, experience. I had that when I was at the health department because of my age and because I was a woman. And it was such a common theme. Either one of those things, if you were either young or a woman in that office, it was a problem. And you weren't respected. Trying not to go on a rant. <laughs> I definitely just ranted. And... And I'm, and I also just for the sake of things, I I didn't handle everything throughout my two years there perfectly. Like there mm-hmm. were things I could have done better and differently, um, but I struggled to find a balance in this sexist environment of how to um, talk about my ideas while not being forceful about them. Because if I brought them up and they said no or were just kind of like, eh then I always was just too nice. Mm-hmm. And then um, I swung to the left really hard and got like really forceful and being like, no, we have to do this. And I struggled to find that balance. But as a bunch of 50 and 60 year old people, they, I feel like should have um, listened more closely, especially since they hired me for my expertise. I was mm-hmm. one of like, repaid staff at the church so that's a big deal and um I feel like they should have been supporting me more Mm -hmm. and if I had had that support things would have gone differently yeah I read that makes me think of an article that I read where did I read it I think it was like a one of like the newsletters that I subscribed to and they mentioned how like one of the biggest or one of the most helpful things when it comes to employing a millennial is we want mentorship. We want to be like, we want that person, that older person to guide us but and support us in what we're doing, which is why I'm really lucky. I think right now at my job, I, I have that. Thankfully, I don't think I'd survive without her, but I mean, it's super, super important to have. Yeah. And I didn't have it. And that's mm-hmm. why I quit and failed at that job. And I didn't fail. I did a really mm-hmm. good job, but um, it was a bad breakup in front of all people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. So that's my rant. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you for sharing all of the things. So that is all that we have for this episode, but I want to hear from you guys. So send me a work story about some sort of frustrating experience that you had with a coworker to postemploymentpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and you can listen to us on CastBox, iTunes, and Google Play. And Kailina, you have a podcast, Blessed Books. Where can we listen to that? 
Right now you can listen to that on iTunes and our website, which is blessedbookspodcast.com. Cool. Uh, thank you for joining me on this podcast. You're the first guest, the special place. <laughs> and the quote for this week is, if you don't risk anything, you risk even more by Erica Jong. <laughs>